0: Hi! (laughs) Sorry, I was not ready for that. Okay, ready? Okay. Hey guys, welcome back to Smart Casual. Um, It's Amy. I'm here with Emma. Hello! (laughs) And uh, it's been a minute. I hope you missed us. We missed you.
1: We definitely missed all three of you.
0: (laughs) Um, We just had some things. We wanted to get off our chests
1: Yeah, so this is not going to be a standard episode. We don't really have one big topic as such, but we have five things that we want to talk about and that we've been thinking about really hard in the last couple of months since we've been away. Mm -hmm. Um, Amy has dubbed it the Fashion Fast Five. Yes. All right. Triple five. (laughs) Let's, Let's begin. Let's get into it. Yeah, so something I've been thinking about recently is Instagram scams. Instagram scams. Or what people perceive to be Instagram scams. I got started on this train of thought because I was served an ad for a brand called Kina and Tam.
0: Oh, Um, yes. You might have also been served this ad because I I noticed
1: that a lot of my friends on Facebook had liked this page already and so it's a fashion label like really cutesy like really colorful knits Mm. so yeah I was browsing around on the site and they it was very clear that they didn't want to mention that they designed this product only that they curated or sourced the product Mm. there's not really a contact email like they don't tell you where their office is located Mm -hmm. like there's it's very scant on detail and then under you know like commonly asked questions, it's like why is my item taking so long to de- like <laughs> to be delivered? And they're like, we're working on it. Um, you may receive your parcel from Chinese shipping like oh. company. Um, it may arrive with a with a a label that you don't recognise on it. Um, <laughs> this is that's okay. so dodgy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's
1: okay. They're just yep. some of our trusted suppliers that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's not a bad thing. So. Um, It was only when I posted it on socials and said, oh, this is a really cool website. Like if anyone wants to dress like a kid, please be my guest. And then I got a a comment saying that, hey, I just want to let you know that these guys, I think, are selling fake clothes. Fake clothes? Yeah, well, I think the comment- Fake designer clothes. Yeah, they said they're selling fake versions of Chinese designer brands called Tayakasha and another called Demushu. And my gut feeling was that, Keener and Tam weren't uh, producing fake versions of these clothes. Mm-hmm. My gut feeling was that they were drop shipping. Right. So for anyone who doesn't know what drop shipping is, it's really common on the internet. You can be a drop shipper from home. Like it's a massive business scheme. That yeah. So yeah. you don't
0: have to physically have the stock with you in like a warehouse where like where you live. You can just link it up to whatever supplier or manufacturer that you've found your items on and then just get them to ship directly from their factory,
1: mm. I guess. So, yeah. yeah, what you can do is essentially create a web store or an mm. eBay page or whatever, wherever you want to host your shop. Mm. Um, and then you can host all this product and say you're s- selling it, but each time you receive an order, you really just go to the source, like whether it's Alibaba mm. or wh- whatever your, the online other seller is. You're a middleman. Yeah, And you might not necessarily have a relationship with the company that you're buying product and then reselling from. You're just Mm -hmm. selling their product at Mm -hmm. a marked up rate. But, yeah, that's like heaps of people drop ship like electronics and household goods. And and so, yeah, my gut feeling was that Kina and Tam were doing the same. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to uh, be doubly sure that they weren't... um, Selling fakes. (laughs) Selling fake goods. So these original brands, they are created in Shanghai, Okay. I believe, and they sell. So these
0: are actual these are actual designer brands, or they're just brands.
1: Well, they you know like their websites are all in Chinese, mm. and then, okay, yeah, and you know they have a really they have really beautiful imagery, and mm. they shoot on like white models,
0: mm. um,
1: like really cute white models, <laughs> and like they've obviously put a lot of thought and design and effort. Like they just sell on Taobao mm. and Chinese language sites. Yeah, so right. unless you have like a good um translator in your browser it's really really difficult to buy directly from them mm-hmm. which in that case I you know that makes me think that there's nothing wrong with people drop shipping their products mm. for like consumers in the west so yeah and I mean I wanted to be sure so I, I did send everyone an email being like hey you just want to know whether you manufacture these goods yourself or whether you're reselling from somebody else um no one at Keener and Tam got back to me.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, the design brands themselves didn't get back to me. Yeah, I didn't expect anything from them because mm. their email addresses didn't really seem to be ones that you normally correspond yeah, with. Right. They seem to be all on like socials, like maybe you need to be on WeChat. Mm. Maybe you need to have a Taobao account to get like a good response, neither of which I have and mm. couldn't be bothered setting up. <laughs> um, uh, and so I ended up, in a really weird deep dive that I don't want to like, I don't want to sound like a stalker, but I did. (laughs) I went around on some like dead web pages trying to work out who owns the Keener and Tam domain. Mm -hmm. Um, Not going to go into the detail or reveal anyone's um, identity, but (laughs) I, I worked out that they are from Melbourne. Oh, they are from Melbourne. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Like, I'm 90, 99% sure that they're from Melbourne. Wow.
0: They've done pretty yeah. well because I've seen them on, um, I've seen their goods on like quite like, I guess, prominent
1: like US Instagram influences and stuff. So I think they've actually done a great job marketing themselves, mm-hmm. getting their products onto people. Um, but yeah, so they're in Melbourne and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's just one person from what I can see. Yeah. Um, and that makes me feel like they're drop shipping, um, but yeah, I just wanted to clear the air <laughs> around this. Around, I mean, I feel like people think that drop shipping is a scam, but I don't really think drop shipping isn't complete. Like, it's not a scam. Do you reckon people know? A lot of people know what drop shipping people don't know entails? what dropshipping shipping is yeah. or what it entails. Yeah. yeah. Um, for example, I have this friend who told us he bought ten watches off Instagram. <laughs> Ten of course, watches. like, the first reaction is, red flags. why do you want to buy 10 watches <laughs> yeah. and why is someone selling you yeah. 10 watches <laughs> for $70? Oh my goodness. Um, so it was probably like $5 to buy all of the watches and then the shipping cost was $70. Is mm-hmm. That's how the ad was listed. The shipping cost was $70. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so the watches were free?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's just the way that they okay. kind of want to suck you in. Yeah, right? yeah. They're like, here, get 10 watches for $5. Yeah, uh, Asterix. Yeah, shipping, shipping is seventy dollars. Um, yeah. But anyway, we were all convinced that it was a scam that he was gonna receive nothing. Mm. He received all of the watches. Mm. They basically look like the image, a little bit crappier, okay. and they do look like they're gonna fall apart soon. But he was happy with them. No. But yeah, I think there's there's just a lot of people on Instagram recently who have been burnt by buying things off instagram ads mm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know whether they're buying fake products because there are certainly fake products that are being a very like a rare uh sneaker or something emerges like i've definitely clicked on those ads and been like what they're still available <laughs> yeah and then i go on the site and like okay no no no, this is definitely gonna be fake mm. um, but yeah i think you like it's hard to distinguish that on instagram it's definitely hard especially with
0: i guess with kina and tam if they are if they do have, like, a range of the product with them and they can shoot their own original imagery?
1: They don't is shoot it? their original imagery. They just use the imagery that's actually from the brand. Hence oh. why it's so easy to reverse image search right. them. Okay. So the smart thing, though, is on their Instagram, they predominantly use photos of influencers that have bought products from them. Hmm. Yeah. So
0: so it's not a scam. 100%, 100% not a scam, but... Mm. yeah.
1: Shades of scam. Sh- <laughs> shades of scam. Um, I think shades of scam only that they don't say, "Hey, we get our products from this brand. This yeah. is the original brand that you're buying from."
0: Not full transparency yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like at the end of the day, I-, I still don't have an issue with it because I feel like it's still more convenient than me trying to navigate a um, Chinese website. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm just like k- kudos to you because you'd be making some serious cash.
0: Yeah, she's making bank on. Not doing too much? No.
1: No. That's why dropshipping has taken off as, yeah. a, as a little
0: mini internet business model. Mm.
1: You can do it on the side yeah. of whatever you're doing.
0: And it's not that much different to, you know, like physical stores around Melbourne that are buying, like importing stuff from Alibaba and just dressing it up to look like they designed the like goods. how IMG
1: got caught in that yeah, dialogue like, accusation. I, yeah, and, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, or like, I guess Sunday Social kind of has that vibe as well. But yeah, that is, it's an interesting, I think scam <laughs> scams are just like the buzzword of 2019, I think. And t- today, actually, we're both wearing these is yours a ballet studio clip as well mm-hmm. um so if you're not aware or if you're not familiar ballet studio is a accessories brand like a resin accessories brand um i think it was started by the designer who the jewelry designer who does really queer mm-hmm. um and the aesthetic is very like nostalgic 90s um hair accessories are like very oversized Kind of plasticky, glittery, glittery, um, pastel colors. And these clips are like $40 $40 40 for a set. For a set of two. And when they first started, not a lot of people were selling them. And now I think on Instagram, there are just like dozens and dozens Mm. of different Instagram shops, I guess, Mm. that have these clips all at varying prices. I feel like everyone is buying them from Alibaba. I I really can't. 100%. I really can't like track down the one person who yep. is actually designing or manufacturing, manufacturing, manufacturing them. Yep. they are all legit businesses. Yep. But when you when you can find the Alibaba link, mm-hmm. you're just like, damn. <laughs> Why didn't God I get damn, on this first? <laughs> these scams? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I, I've recently started a new job about a month ago and previously I've always worked in very small teams, like of two or three. And, um, in terms of dressing for work, I never really had to think about it. Like I could just be as casual or as like, you know, grubby as I wanted, cause no one was really seeing me. I never had to, I never was in a role where I was super consumer facing or had to, Um, Had to see key stakeholders Mm -hmm. is the term, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've never had to really think about my appearance in that way. Um, But this new job, it's, I guess you could call it a little bit more corporate or commercial. I'm often in meetings. I have meetings now, so I have to kind of look a bit more professional and not like a, you know, emo boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but when you say professional, what do you mean because I feel like you're you're in a millennial-ish business. You're not in a suit and tie business.
0: No, it's not a yeah, it's not a suit and tie business, but there are like it's a it's a business that is exchanging lots of money. So I feel like people (laughs) expect me to look like a person who is aware of that exchange of large amounts of money. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And there's a specific aesthetic that comes with that. Uh, Observing the office fashion, I've noticed, you know, short black heeled ankle boots, Mm -hmm. Um, below knee length skirts, so midi length skirts, a moto jacket uh, like a moto leather jacket of some description Mm um no jeans i feel like i'm the only person who wears jeans in the office yeah i i am the most casual person in the office by miles kilometers because we're in australia (laughs) (laughs) anyway I, I think I expected when I eventually worked at a larger fashion business that everyone would be cash because we all work in fashion and we work around it all the time so there's no reason to dress up that much but they dress up and I'm very casual because you need to move and you need to be able to like bend and stretch and lift stuff so I come in my jeans and my vans and I feel very childish. <laughs> So it's it's very weird. I,
1: I see any workplace that has people wearing heels as like maybe you work in advertising, mm. maybe you have to go out and like make business deals. Because mm. I associate heels with feeling more powerful, and like <laughs> with height comes power. Some great responsibility. And great responsibility <laughs> for the finances of your company. So, like yeah. in my mind, that's that's the situation where I would wear heels. But outside mm. of that, you know, I wouldn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't believe you think that you don't dress up because if you saw what I wore to work every day, you'd just be like. Like, what do you wear? What do you wear to the office? I wear like my ugliest jeans. (laughs) Sometimes I wear my nice jeans, but I always wear jeans. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm usually wearing a long sleeve now that it's winter, Mm -hmm. like a very basic long sleeve underneath a t shirt, Mm -hmm. like it's the 90s, like a baggy (laughs) t shirt. And then I wear my dark green bomber jacket. Uh-huh. Which is three sizes too big for me. Yeah, but I've I've yeah, actually need... worn a variation of that outfit for the last like three months. <laughs> but I, think... I feel like <laughs> you, you should just wear whatever you want. Like no one's telling <laughs> yeah. you off. No, that's <laughs> true. That's Don't feel true. bad about it. <laughs> um, I'd like to launch into. Um, okay, actually, this is a three pronged question. Mm-hmm. What do you think? the 2010s will be remembered for the, the decade is no the- I think
0: the noughties is 2000s 2000s to 2010
1: yeah all oh, right I'm okay. talking about the decade between 2010 and 2020 which is uh, next year uh-huh. because we're, I guess we're six months away yeah from oh closing out wow. this decade which, um <laughs> slightly scary that's really scary so, I mean, like, we remember the 90s for grunge mm-hmm. and um, 80s for like acid wash denim and 70s, shoulder pads. Flower, like, long, yep. long skirts. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I mean, so what do we want to, what do you think people will be referencing from the 2010s in 2050? Mm. Um, second question was what were some of the Australian specific and hyper local right. trends from the era? third question <laughs> you're gonna have to remind me I, I will remind you the question was um what are the predictions for 2020 and beyond but okay okay maybe we'll start with what we will remember
0: what we will remember the 2010s for mm. i think the dad sneaker yes. definitely like the balenciaga triple s chunky dad sneaker
1: what evolved That's, from the new yeah. balance dad sneaker
0: I think I was in Brisbane at like a graduation ceremony at like a uni grad ceremony and I saw this kid in his cap and gown and then he had Balenciaga triple S's on and I was just like yo that's a look look. (laughs) like damn you're really graduating in your triple S's (laughs) maybe that was his graduation present maybe (laughs) maybe Damn, I would have I would have asked for a laptop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, but he could sell them for yeah, five could. laptops. <laughs> he could.
0: I think, yeah, the that that evolution of the sneaker, I think, is definitely of this, this decade. Time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think largely we could maybe divide it up into norm core mm. ironic throwback looks.
0: Like that two thousands. Y two K vibe.
1: Y two K vibe, yeah. like tiny sunglasses, neo mm. from the Matrix vibes. Yes, yeah. like tiny handbags, Paris Hilton style stilettos. Yeah,
0: like Fury, Chi. Yes, like the Furucci Angel mm-hmm. and like Kappa.
1: Yes, Kappa. <laughs> um. So yeah, normcore ironic throwback looks. Um. And then we have like the streetwear athleisure. Athleisure. Yes. Category.
0: That's a huge. I feel like it'll continue forever just because of how transitional that aesthetic is because you can do so many things in Mm. athleisure and you can get away with wearing it at any given time that it's just going to continue on for and probably evolve into something more horrendous. (laughs) But But. I
1: always thought fashion was supposed to be pain. And yet this decade (laughs) has been the opposite of that. Like, fashion is comfort. It is oversized, baggy. Maybe I'm not talking about fashion as such, but, like, the trends of what most people are are buying into. Mm, Like, mm. high fashion will always be pain. But, yeah, the big consumer trends, Mm. I feel like, have been, like, the collapse of workwear. Fitted things. And, like, I guess in the way that...
0: Like jeans used to be rigid and with no stretch, and now you can get now you can just wear leggings that are just a hundred percent stretch. Mm. Um, comfort is the number one thing that anyone wants in a garment.
1: Comfort and inclusivity, right?
0: Yeah. Like, I don't know if it's a like necessarily a trend, but the like inclusivity as a marketing mm. tool yes. or a marketing point of difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've seen so many brands on like small really small levels and also really big um, corporate level try to incorporate inclusive marketing whether that be in the actual models that they use like size or ethnicity or a
1: gender identification (laughs) And I also think lifestyle, like, inclusive Mm. of whatever lifestyle you have. Like, for example, oh, my God, what is the big athleisure brand that does doing things? Oh, Outdoor Voices. Yeah, so I feel like Outdoor Voices is a really prime case of just, like, you know, their tagline is doing things. Doing things is for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, whether your version of exercise is, like, taking the stairs to work or whether it's like going for a walk after or running hardcore or being an athlete Mm. like their messaging is for everybody yeah everybody can move Mm -hmm. it's like
0: that like yeah moving forward if you aren't doing that you're like in the completely in the past Mm. um and like not in touch at all with your consumers Mm. i don't know if I'm not sure if this is a huge trend, but I thought just meta fashion. I'm very specifically talking about like off-white, I guess, and okay. maybe, maybe like Vetements and Gosha and all those designers who kind who, I guess, like I. I told someone the other day that I didn't consider them designers, I just considered them very good marketers. Mm. Um, Or very good stylists. Very good stylists and ironic fashion, I guess, is another term you could call it, fashion that is very on the nose. And like,
1: Do you have a few examples of that? Actually,
0: I guess like I've seen, I saw a guy wearing the off white sneakers that I'd say like shoe on them, or like it's a sneaker, right? Or like he did a collabor collaboration with IKEA, and the rug says like keep off or something. Ah yes, yeah, yes, um, stuff like that. Yeah, that is just I feel like that will date very quickly. Like,
1: or will it be in a museum? As, like, artistic movement. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll just see. Yeah, maybe we'll see garments in more garments in museums. That could be cool, actually. Yeah. I still don't like it, (laughs) Um, though.
1: I was watching a YouTube tutorial for how to make your Reebok insta pump look like the. I think. I can't remember if it was Vetmont or Off-White, but one of those brands, maybe Vetmont's, did mm. a collaboration with Reebok and it was just like a white Insta pump that had been graffitied. And so this person on um, YouTube was like, instead of paying $800 for this shoe, <laughs> I'm going to just make over my $100 version of the shoe. <laughs> like, come with me on this journey as I use a Sharpie. Oh to my God, he just my, tagged his own <laughs> shoes.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Um, I feel like that really sums up this decade. I think our generation is just super self-aware. We're so aware of marketing. Yeah, Mm. we just want to play with that. Yeah, you know, maybe the last decade as well before two thousand ten was also quite conservative. um, Financial crisis. Mm. Um, It was a whole thing about how hemlines had been the longest that they've ever been, been and necklines had. And I think maybe towards the end of this decade, like we're slightly moving out of that, just in like reaction to mm-hmm. all of that we're like we want the fancy stuff we want the excess we know that it's like dreamy yeah uh, and fantasy it's fantasy yeah, like, yeah yeah maybe we can still have the fantasy but like we're wearing sneakers so we're still on the grind <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I think no, you know the gucci excess yeah that yeah, yeah.
0: Out. and i think the colors like trends that have been kind of coming up like real like i'm wearing a really putrid green jumper today it's slime yeah i'm slime nickelodeon (laughs) slime nickelodeon slime slime is right and like really hyper bright colors that iridescent kind of rainbow pvc kind of fabric is coming back around like you know those like jelly kind of purses you could get in the 90s that it looked like oil was inside them Yeah, Yeah, yeah that oil slick look is around a lot as well and i think that yeah that feeds back into the like reaction of that modest era of Mm -hmm. last decade and now we all just like we need to be seen (laughs) i am here and i don't give a fuck (laughs) the second question?
1: question was what do you think were some of the really uh, big hyper-local trends in Melbourne. I just wanted to start off by mentioning the Verna Puffy headband. Oh, because yeah. that's been huge for the last couple of years, in Melbourne specifically. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen it, it's a headband. It, like, is stuffed with cotton. So it's, like, slightly puffy. They've come in, like, different colours, like gingham and just, like, standard black. And it, like, looks, like, a bit religious, I guess. Yeah, in yeah. Some it kind of
0: looks like uh, a halo.
1: But, yeah, so... Can you I think of any other hyper-local trends? I guess we live in Melbourne, trends. so we can't speak for
0: anywhere else. Yeah. wii 2 bags, yes, but I feel like they've... i They would still be counted in the 2010s, <laughs> but I do feel like they haven't been around as much.
1: They're the um, colourful neoprene, neoprene bags. bags. Yeah.
0: I have seen... like I guess it's the evolution of that bag in a more normy way. The neoprene bags that are perforated and they have a rope handle.
1: Oh, yes. What are they? I've seen them in so uh, many There are places. so
0: many different places and I feel like there is no one brand that produces them. Or maybe it is the one brand that's doing exceptionally well. But I feel like multiple brands have a version of that bag. Um, mm. That could be the evolution of the Witty bag. <laughs>
1: um, mm. Yeah. If you, if you can remember any, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Listen, Please dear DM us. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to predictions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Predictions. Let's look towards the future.
0: <laughs> I feel like the yee-haw agenda is going to keep. <laughs> growing stronger
1: I feel like you're just pushing the <laughs> i just agenda.
0: wanna like because i can't wear it i just i just don't think i can pull off cowboy boots i'm a 29 year old vietnamese australian girl living in melbourne i just don't think i'm gonna pull off the cowboy look um but lots of people can and it looks amazing I just like feel that like western it's out of look.
1: place in australia true True. Like, we have looks- our own country aesthetics. Yeah. And Williams. the Yeehaw <laughs> agenda is
0: very specifically like American, American I don't West. I-, I couldn't think about it <laughs> yeah.
1: geographically. I just thought it started when like Calvin Klein put yeah. um, fringing on their shirts mm-hmm. a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. And then there's like Casey Musgraves, who's yeah. a country artist who's huge now. Mm-hmm. And then we had Old Town Road <laughs> jump off from TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> um i don't want to sing the song people can no. just look this up
0: yeah i feel like i just feel like like as a city it's just not going to look right because there'll be people in iron williams boots and then people in like super fashion cowboy boots
1: <laughs> i feel like it works if you're going for the prairie look you know if like maybe oh yeah the wearing, daisy vibe
0: yeah oh the really daisy vibe dress. that's a the The Daisy era, that is a, I feel like, is a 2010s
1: Oh, Daisy, the fashion label from Sydney. Yeah, that
0: that brand. If you're not aware, it's the very, like, white lace, um, corseted, laced up, prairie, mini dress dress vibe. Um, Very sexy. (laughs) It's It's got this, like, milkmaid vibe. Yeah. And when I think when I saw Daisy come up, I was like, that's not going to fly. Who wants to dress up like a sexy milkmaid? That's a Halloween <laughs> costume that's so, like, out of date, but came and it, like, really dominated mm.
1: for a while. I feel like they made it look high fashion because they put it on a bunch mm. of super skinny, like, you know, that era in model history when heaps of people were coming out of Russia. Yeah. Like yeah. And they all looked a bit, like, sickly, but if you <laughs> yeah. put enough like sheen on their cheeks it makes for a fashion High fashion but then they got picked up by opening ceremonies so yeah i like them actually <laughs> i feel like 2020 and beyond i think they'll be more play more fun more fun
0: Hopefully, i hope so yeah i i hope that like the overall vibe is of like positivity and like hope and that translates into more fun and playful fashion and that people are like more game to experiment, to wear lots of different vibes, like have a, have a wardrobe full of lots of different characters and personalities that you can try on like a, a suit guy wearing a really crazy tie or like a like oh my god i don't know i can't believe
1: this is your vision
0: <laughs> it's just to see people like you you would not expect in like a
1: completely weird setting wearing something like completely out of context But Normcore has just made it so easy for everyone to be on the same, like, own the same basics and look the same level of acceptably good Mm. in every situation. So it's kind of hard to break out from that. Like, why would you want to take a wardrobe risk Mm. when you could just wear...
0: Acceptable.
1: Yeah. Do you see fast fashion changing dramatically in the next decade?
0: Um, the hope is that fast fashion brands lead the change. The pessimist in me kind of thinks that fast fashion giants won't go away. They might not even really change very much, but they're just going to get smarter in the way that they disguise themselves. So instead of like your Zara having mil- like all, all of the different trends in the one place and it just being a nightmare to navigate the store, they might just start making little stores with little oh. like subculture aesthetics. Yes. And then...
1: I can see this. Yeah,
0: and they'll just market it, they market themselves as little ethical brands or maybe not ethical yes, brands, but this. separate Separate identities. Separate separate identities.
1: Like how H and M owns and other stories. Yes,
0: and when you look at and other stories, you completely don't associate it with H and M. No, I didn't actually know that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When I found that out, I was like, "This is a genius move." Yeah. I guess it's like LVMH at the luxury level mm. how they own this whole stable of brands that are all, that all have their own customer base and all have their own identities. Mm. I could like you said maybe see fast fashion brands like buying or creating these divisions with really separate identities. Yeah. yeah.
0: I just wanted to go on a little diatribe about my spreadsheets. Prior to starting my job, I had 2 months Of unemployment where I was trying to be as as smart with my money as possible. And so the way that I thought I could keep track of my money was putting it into a spreadsheet and and recording every single purchase, every single item that I sold. This is very specific to clothing because that is the largest slice of the pie chart, so I could have a very specific in-out sum, and I could see whether I was in the red or if I was in the green. It's
1: very basic, barefoot investor.
0: Yeah, it's very, it's very basic. Um, and I'd also have, I also have like a section that divvies up my income and my disposable income and what I have to save. And it was a very good exercise in showing me the ugly side (laughs) of my spending, (laughs) because I would also have a little section of where all those purchases came from. So, like, I would have eBay, Facebook, wow, um, consigner apps like Vestiaire Collective or the Real Real or Depop or whatever.
1: Wow, you really broke it down. I have a
0: lot of these arenas where i can browse so i wanted to make sure where i was spending a lot of time on as well which is also something that i wanted to cut down on my screen time is (laughs) through the roof (laughs) not so much now that i'm working but yeah i just Mm -hmm. wanted to keep track of what i was doing
1: I mean, you have your priorities. (laughs) I have no judge judgments to give (laughs) at this point. Yeah. So anyway, like what did you learn from... From my spreadsheet. From your giant spreadsheet. Um,
0: Well, I learned that I would keep track of like how much I was spending. And then also, if I noticed that I was spending a lot, I would kind of get rid of some things. So it was, I would always try to be on the level with... Spending and saving se- So you're trying to selling. be
1: neutral? Yeah. Not trying to be more in the green, but just yeah. Trying to balance.
0: Yeah, like I spending. wasn't I wasn't going like full Marie Kondo getting rid of everything, but like I was curbing my spending by getting rid of things. I think it was very effective. <laughs> um I feel like I've done a lot of self-reflection on this, on this episode, but one that I've been thinking about more is Alexa Chung's enduring appeal, at least with me. I don't know how relevant she is as a fashion person to the wider fashion community. I feel like she's been a mainstay for a really long time, especially since she started her um, fashion label.
1: Well, I feel like I've had a crush on Alexa Chung since I was 15. Yeah, I, it's, I've never had a
0: point where I've just been like, oh, she's outdated or like there like I will always ask time. for her hair when I go to the hairdresser. <laughs> yeah, I just think her her taste level has always been really up there even though it's not always on the pulse of like all the trends that are coming out but what she does is always – it's always been cool. <laughs> such I'm, such fan fan girl. <laughs> I'm such a fangirl. I'm such a fangirl. I don't know what it is. I think I, w- I watched this um, video interview of her and she was talking about her style. Um, and that was kind of back when she used to wear a lot of really kitty dresses with like the Peterbang collars, stuff that was like really buttoned up. And she described her style as like it wasn't, it was very childish, but it wasn't sexless and i mm. thought that was a really interesting perspective like sensuality sensuality I guess. yeah that's
1: that's it yeah sensuality.
0: and yeah. i feel like so many brands now are trying to do like they've built their brand around that kind of sensibility like um reformation or realization Par, even daisy i guess rouge is also uh, another yeah. uh, french R-O-U-J-E. brand
1: J-E. yeah yeah yeah, for sure. It's funny though because I think Alexa hasn't really changed her style over the years at all mm. that much. Like it's still very much what she uh, would have picked out when she was like whatever, a like DJ, twenty, yeah, you know, for MTV or whatever yeah. when she was still dating Alex. Yeah, yeah, Alex Turner. Yeah, yeah, still dating Alex Turner, Turner. from Arctic, Arctic Monkeys. Monkeys. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like she's you're still- a fangirl at heart still. <laughs> I just remember that period of fashion very, very well. Because I think that's when I became very interested in fashion. It still tugs at my heartstrings. Wait, so why are we talking about Alexa Chung again? Is this just so you can talk about her? It's just something
0: I just want to talk about how much I love her. That's all.
1: That concludes
0: our fashion fast five. Not quite as fast as I expected it to be. But hopefully, five (laughs) from each of us.
1: (laughs) I think we got there. Yeah. Thanks for listening will see you in the next one.